Good evening, and welcome to Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. Oh, I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And tonight, we're going to learn what we can learn from Jonah. And you can hear our music in the background. That's the ta-dum, ta-dum of the oxygen machine still. Still, it's working. I'm getting better, but it's still there. So, So, yeah, Yeah, tonight we're going to talk about Jonah. Jonah, the son of Amittai, um, actually has his own book in the Bible about him. Only four chapters. Easy to read. Easy to read. Interesting reading. And a lot of us may know some of the story from the coloring books and the the early on Sunday school stories and things like that. According to Eugene Peterson, everyone knows this story, even but, if they don't go to Sunday school. Well, not, not everyone, but probably many do. Yeah. But there's a lot of deep meaning here, and there's a lot of deep things, and a lot of things we can learn from Jonah that maybe we haven't thought about, and it's time to revisit some of these early stories, these early Sunday school stories that we have as kids and revisit them again and see what uh, what God has to say about them now in our lives. Well, I have a question. Yes. When you think of Jonah, what's the first thing you think about? When you think of, when I think of Jonah, the first thing that comes to mind, again, the Sunday school story is Jonah and the whale. That's you know, the thought. That's what you think. I think, what a grumpy dude. Oh. And pouty. Boy, is he pouty. Well, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think of. And it makes me laugh because God still used him despite his bad attitude. And well, let me ask you this: then. Yes. What do you picture Jonah looking like? Well, at the very moment, a whiny teenager, but he wasn't a teenager at this time. But no, he wasn't a no, teenager. No, I, I just looking like I don't know. How would you envision Jonah? Probably an old guy with a beard and hair. Oh, why? What did you picture him as? Well, I pictured as him as a guy probably in his. Late twenties, early thirties, maybe. Really, wearing a black robe, and I think he's older than that. No, I think he's younger than that. But he was sent on a big journey by God here, and I just had this idea that he was a self-important, well, educated man who thought that he was above everybody, and I, and uh, well, he he wouldn't have sent an old man on this journey necessarily. Well, maybe not. But do you know where he's first mentioned? Second Kings. Mm-hmm. 14, 25, he prophesied there as a young man. Mm-hmm. That's why I think he's older, because he's been Well, we don't know the time prophet. frame of Jonah, actually. Well, true. As far as the Bible goes, we do not have a specific time frame with Jonah and his ministry. Uh, we don't know exactly when it happens. Biblical scholars have different opinions on it. But, um, well, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to just read a little bit. This is from the message translation, some of the background information of Jonah. Mm -hmm. And um, he writes, as a young man, Jonah, and this is again in 2 Kings 14.25, as a young man, Jonah had predicted a period of military might and economic prosperity in Israel, and it happened. Assyria, the dangerous northern superpower, had been temporarily weak. But a couple decades later, God sent this flag-waving patriot, Jonah, to save Assyria's capital, Nineveh, from destruction. For Israel, that was destined to be a national security disaster. Okay. So, a couple decades after he prophesied. That's what we're saying. Yeah, well, okay. that's, that's, that's what he that's says. That's what he says, yeah. So, he right. still probably would have been like 40s. It's not old. 40s, late 30s. Um, whatever. Uh, Nineveh, just for background innovation, information, again, Jonah was on his way to Nineveh. That was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, mm-hmm. and it would have been located about where uh, Mosul 
is in Iraq right now. Oh, that's interesting. So he would have been sent. That would have been uh, one of the Mesopotamian River societies. The Assyrians were um, prior to the Babylonians. They were the the big dogs in uh, Mesopotamian River Valley. So they were uh, an advanced civilization as far as their warfare and were uh, uh, were very warlike. They were called the Lion Kings. Oh. Because they had, because uh, the way they braided their beards and their hair, mm-hmm. it looked like a lion's mane. They grew very long beards and they braided everything, so it was like oh, all head full of dreadlocks head. sort oh. of thing. Yeah. Well, let so. me, you know what, let me read, let me read a little bit from Jonah 1. Okay. Okay, yep. so one day long ago, God's word came to Jonah, a Mitte's son, up on your feet and on your way to the big city in Nineveh. Preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. But Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. He went down to the port of Joppa and found a ship headed for Tarshish. He paid the fare and went on board, joining those going to Tarshish as far away from God as he could get. So that's the first part. So he's running from God, Mm -hmm. and he's going the exact opposite. Can I read this little thing? Okay, this is from... Uh, the devotional Bible, uh, Eugene Peterson wrote this. It says, Why did Jonah set out for Tarshish? For one thing, it was a lot more exciting than Nineveh. Nineveh was an ancient site with layer upon layer of tragic history. Going to Nineveh to preach wasn't a coveted assignment for a Hebrew prophet, but Tarshish was something else. Tarshish was exotic. Tarshish was adventurous. Tarshish was a distant and dazzling port. According to 1 Kings 10.22, Solomon's fleet at Tarshish fetched gold, silver, ivory, monkeys, and peacocks. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you want to go there? And then he, he mentions this. It's just a little thought. You and I have been called by God to serve in a divinely appointed way at a divinely appointed place. But sometimes it isn't the way we want or the place we want. And so, like Jonah, we feel drawn to some other place, some distant place, perhaps, where we can flee from that calling and from the one who called us. So you want to tell, once he did this, he's on a ship. Why don't you just briefly tell the story of Jonah, just in case someone's listening and can't okay. remember it. The story of Jonah. Jonah is, is told by God to go to Nineveh and, and uh, preach repentance there. He's angry about that. He, he disobeys God, takes off in a ship to Tarshish um, in an attempt to escape all this. And in doing so... God sees him leaving and brings a storm on that's going to sink the ship. And they try and do everything they can to try and lighten the load and do everything they can. And finally Jonah says, well, this is my fault, and has them throw him overboard. And the thought, of course, was that he was going to drown. He would rather drown than go where God wants him to be. That's true. Just throw me overboard. Yes. And then uh, biblically it says that God caused a great fish to swallow him up. Mm Mm-hmm. And after three days, spit him out on dry land to take off and do what he's supposed to do. So he grudgingly goes to Nineveh. He preaches for... Grumbles and preaches there. For 40 days. For 40 days. Probably grumbling and cursing everyone and telling them how terrible they are. Uh, The city of Nineveh then repents. And God finds favor with Nineveh because of their repentance, basically. And then Jonah gets mad about the fact that they were able to repent. They shouldn't have been able to repent. Yeah, God's mercy. He yes. didn't want them to have any mercy. He's mad about that. And then there's a cute little story that I'm sure we'll bring out in the end yeah. about Jonah's pouting. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. And that's, that's, that's the basic the story. story. Yeah. And, you know, okay, so 
So chapter, so there's four chapters, and the first chapter is all about him running away, getting on the ship, and then eventually the sailors throw him overboard because he tells them to. But I will say, one of the things I said about, I was looking at it, that the heathens, because they didn't, they didn't worship God yet, I said yet yeah, here, the heathens were more honorable than God's prophet because he told them to throw him overboard. And let me, and they said, okay, Okay, Jonah says in verse 12 of 1, he says, Throw me overboard into the sea. Then the storm will stop. It's all my fault. I'm the cause of the storm. Get rid of me, and you'll get rid of the storm. But no, the men tried rowing back to shore. They made no headway. The storm only got worse and worse, wild and raging. And then they prayed to God, Oh, God, don't let us drown because of this man's life, and don't blame us for his death. You or God do what you think is best. So they went ahead and did it. But, I mean, mm-hmm. they tried other things first. They yeah. didn't want... they did everything they could first to lighten their load and to, to make it easier so they wouldn't be swamped. And if you're on a, on a ship in the middle of the Mediterranean at this point in time and your ship is taking on water, mm-hmm. the heavier it is, the more the water is going to wash over the sides. Right. They're doing everything they can to stop it from happening. So it's interesting also. I looked up the location of Tarshish, and there's there are several different scholarly views of where mm-hmm. Tarshish was. Some people think it was Carthage, mm-hmm. which is in Tunisia, North Africa. Mm. Uh, some people think it was um, uh, Tardisos is another name that could have been used, mm-hmm. and that would be in uh, Spain. Yeah, I get that. That's what so uh, Peterson There's thinks. a lot of other things, and some people said it could have been as close as possibly Lebanon. Oh. But... In any, way, in any way, shape, or form, we know he had to get on a boat to get there and that it was in the open ocean. So, And you know what? Some other things that, something we haven't said that said yet, he paid money to be on this boat, and then mm-hmm. he went down and fell asleep. He was, he's sleeping on this boat, and what I think is interesting, that means he's not, he doesn't even care that he's disobeying God. He's just... Well, he, think, he thinks he got away with it. He, yeah, and he's just sleeping. He's not worried because mm-hmm. you can't sleep when you're worried. And um, he also paid good money to disobey God. He, I mean, and he was deceitful. <coughs> you know, I, and this is God's prophet. So it, it, it makes me feel good because, you know, it, at the end of this, God does, he saves a whole, whole city and the animals and the people using this prophet is so disobedient that even when we're not at our best, God can use us. I guess it gives me that, not that we go around sinning, but that maybe we're feeling like we're in a big failure part of our life. God might be using us at that time better than any other time. Or maybe, you know, I mean, we're human. We get bad attitudes at times. Well, and... There's another lesson yeah, go ahead. here, too, I think. Well, first of all, you were talking about him sleeping. He was sleeping during the storm. The captain had to come wake him up. Yeah. It was such a bad storm, they all thought they were going to die, and this guy's sleeping. But the captain did not know who he was. He right. didn't he, even know he was a Hebrew. He, he had to ask. He didn't even tell him, yeah. He had to ask. And when he uh, gets thrown overboard and all sorts of things, he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Mm-hmm. His decision. Yeah, it was at his that decision. point in time. I know that it's my fault that this storm is here. So they threw him in the sea, 
they tried to roll back. They couldn't, so they, they tried everything they could. They did not want to throw him into the mm-hmm. sea. These guys were not murderers or anything that threw him in here. And so it said that they had many, many gods. Mm-hmm. And they prayed to all their gods, and it didn't work. And they threw him overboard, and the sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. This is uh, 116. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. That is great. It converted the men on the boat. Yes. That is an awesome thing. That is an awesome thing. That gets passed over a lot. I don't think we think about that. Oh, but I love that that because this wasn't really God's plan. I mean, his plan was for Jonah Mm -hmm. to go to Nineveh straight away. But instead, he, he can even use the times we're disobedient when we come, we... If we let him enter into that situation, and he can bring great good out of it. Not saying that we should be disobedient, but if we give our lives to him, he can use everything, even sin. Mm. If we, if we, like he admitted. Well, God does everything for good. Yeah, he admitted. He said, um, he told them, and this is, you were just talking about this, I'm just going to read it. Jonah told them, I'm a Hebrew. I worship God, the God of heaven, who made sea and land. At that, the men were frightened, really frightened, and said, What on earth have you done? As Jonah talked, the sailors realized he was running away from God. And so Jonah, he wasn't exactly, you know, he was still being disobedient, but he had said who he was, and and um, God used that situation, like you said, to convert these men. Mm-hmm. Who knows what happened once they got home? Right. And then, of course... The part that everybody knows, Jonah is swallowed up by the the great fish. It says, "Does it not mm-hmm. say whale in the Bible?" It says great fish. Yes, but it, we know it's a whale. We think of whales as being the only thing big enough to really do that. Right, and and at this time, they would have thought anything swimming was a fish. Right. Well, you know. Okay. That's that's what I think. All right, and then when Jonah is there, he prays. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna I'm gonna read through his prayer real quick here. Just it's in two. But, but before you read. Okay. It said, Jonah was in the fish's belly three days and nights. Then he prayed. So he's even being stubborn in the fish. Inside the whale, he's... It took him three days and three nights before he prayed. Well, it doesn't say then he prayed. It just oh, said... Oh, and mine did, though. And inside the fish, Jonah prayed to, the, to God. Well, let me look here. To the Lord his God. Okay, but th- this All version right. says then. But go ahead. I, I think he was stubborn. I'm sure he was stubborn to an extent, but I thought he, I think he also probably thought he was going to die when they threw him in the water. And then the fish picked him up, and since he didn't die inside the fish, I mean, this guy wanted to die rather than do what God had asked him to do. He would rather die, and he didn't. Do you know how much it probably stunk in there? And he didn't. He didn't die when he wanted to. Both my versions. Okay. And uh, New American Standard says, okay, 17th. Chapter 1, verse uh-huh. 17 says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, oh, his God, from the stomach the of the fish. Okay, well, either way, I'm going to read this Jonah's prayer, prayer okay. here, which is an interesting prayer in and of itself. Right. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths in the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred forever. But you, Lord God, brought my life up from the pit. 
When my life was ebbing, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And then it says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. Jonah's prayer is interesting because he mentions the fact that he's going down for the last time. Mm -hmm. He's surrounded by everything, and then it says, uh, The deep surrounded me, seaweed wrapped around my head, to the roots of the mountain I sank down. Mm. So he was not bobbing around on the surface when when he was swallowed up. He He, was sinking. He was was actually about to die. And I think, like many people... When he had him, when they, he had them throw him off the ship, he thought, "Well, I'm going to die." But mm-hmm. then, when the time came that he was actually dying, I think he didn't really want that anymore. He was changing mm-hmm. his mind at this mm-hmm. point in time because God brought him back, and that that concept of God swallowing up with the fish sounds like it's punishment, but it was actually saving him. It was salvation. It saved yeah. him from himself, mm. and. It's interesting. There's a lot of biblical scholars that that draw the three days and three nights. Yeah, right. Well, uh, similarly with Jesus. So. Jesus himself says the only only uh, sign you'll get is the sign of Jonah. Right, but there's yeah, but there's there's something else here. And I'll talk about that okay. in a little bit too. Okay. But um, it's just interesting to me. He says when my life is was ebbing away, he knew he was dying. Yeah, God saved him. Mm-hmm. And then he does say, "What I vowed, I will make. What I have vowed, I will make good." Yes, I saw that. I noticed that today. I will tell you what I think. Okay. I think this goes back to his calling of a, as a prophet, that he has committed to being God's prophet. But at this time, he ran away, uh-huh. so he's coming back to. He says, "Okay, yes, I will. I will again be your prophet." And I will go to Nineveh. And well, and he lands on dry land. And chapter three, it starts out: God came, comes to him a second time, and says, "Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you." That's right. So, what does that mean? He was. Reluctant. He just says, "Go." God doesn't say anything different than he did the first right. time. That's the first right. time he said, "Go." Yes. And Jonah re- rebelled, and then Jonah said, "I'll keep my vow to you." Mm-hmm. And God says, okay, now go. Mm-hmm. That's it. He doesn't condemn him. He doesn't. There's nothing in here about God right. telling him he was wrong. He just says, I told you to go. Now go. Now go. I think about this almost like a child. Uh-huh. How many times do you have a child that's doing something that they're, you tell them to do something and they don't. And you just like take them by the shoulders and turn them in the direction and I said, go. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to just gently get them mm-hmm. to do. They're They're reluctant. But then you put your hands on them and they go. I think God did the same thing with Jonah. Mm-hmm. God wasn't angry with Jonah for doing it wrong. No. But he just knew that Jonah had more better things to do. Mm-hmm. So he turned him around and sent him back on his way. He put him, it says it spit him out on dry land, and obviously he set him on dry land so that he could go to Nineveh. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he, he spit him out where he should have been in the first place. Right, right. And, and if you think about this, if he was leaving Israel... right. And he ended up in Iraq. Mm-hmm. God probably spit him out on the route where he should have been going in the first oh, place. Oh, that's right. Yes. He didn't say he spit him out in Jerusalem and told him to take off from there. It said it spit him out on dry land and said go. Yeah. Well, I've got maps around and stuff, but well, I know, but it'd be interesting to figure out how where the whale 
swam, you know. Okay, so. Okay, I, but I want to say something. Okay. Okay, so one time I was doing some research, reading about something about if someone is actually swallowed by a whale, because it mm-hmm. has actually happened since then, mm-hmm. that people have been, I don't know how many people, but there are documented cases besides Jonah that people have been swallowed by whales and survived and been spit, and spit back out. Huh. Well, there's a, there was a man, and I, I guess I should have looked this up to get some concrete details for you, but there was a man, and I think it was like in the 1800s, this happened to him. And when he was all spit up, mm-hmm. he's like covered like in gross stuff, and he's like all white. Sure. So when I was reading about this, they th- think that even Jonah's appearance frightened the people because they didn't know he just came out of a whale. And he's looking really freaky, and he's going around, and 40 days you're going to be doomed. And, and that even God used his appearance of whale oh, very goo. Very possible. I hadn't thought about that. To, to freak out the people. Sure. Very possible. So, I, I don't know. If, if someone who's listening to this, if you want to do some research about it, documented cases of people being swallowed by whales, do it. And then you can read about it, because I just find that kind of okay. funny. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Okay, what were you going to say? All right, well, let's go back into Jonah here. In Jonah 3, it talks about how large Nineveh was. It took three days to go from one side to the other. Yes. To go through Nineveh would have taken you three days. That's a huge city. That is a big city. It's a huge city, especially in ancient times. It was a huge city. Well, it's probably, yeah, because he, those people back then, most of them were used to walking great distances. That's how they got anywhere. So Jonah was probably the same, so... Okay, so Jonah goes in, and it says, Jonah began going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. It didn't say he preached for 40 days. True. It said he, he said 40 more days, and Nineveh will be... Mm-hmm. He went a day's journey into the city. He went one-third of the city. He didn't oh, even cross right. the entire city. You're right. He just barely got in the door, basically. And he preached that in 40 days... Nineveh will be overthrown. And then in verse 5 it says, The Ninevites believed God. Boom. Yeah. Wait. The Ninevites believed. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them for the greatest elitist least put on sackcloth. Okay, this Even the king rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, mm-hmm. and he proclaimed, he issued a Noma, Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. Water. Let people and animals be covered by sackcloth. Let everyone be everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows God may yet relent and this, with compassion. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring down the destruction mm-hmm. that he threatened. But I'm gonna go back because uh-huh. I think this is funny, because I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. Verse four says of chapter three, then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said Yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. Mm -hmm. He might have just said that once. Just once, and then he left. Yeah, so we've got an Israelite who is coming from Israel, would have been a conquered area. The Assyrians had conquered Israel at one point in time. This guy coming in wasn't going to be a celebrity when he showed up at the door. He wasn't going to be anything special when he showed up. But when he showed up... And he only did a... The bare minimum. He did the bare minimum. 
God said, go and tell the Ninevites this. So he went a third of the way into the city and said, okay, I'm here. One day, I'll give it a day. And they reacted. Yeah. And they all reacted. Even the king, by decree, demanded that the entire city react this way. They all repented. Immediately, they all repented, which is, I say immediately, uh, just as fast as it could have possibly happened, it sounds like. And God did this with minimal effort from Jonah. Yes. Not... Right, not, not Jonah spending a year there, but yeah, it's just one. Yeah, he says in day. forty days it's going to be over, and they say, "Oh, we need to turn to your God." The Assyrians okay. were not believers no. in Yahweh. No, but anyway, not stretch. at all. But God must have opened their hearts to hear the message. You know, there's times in the Bible where God says that He hardened the hearts, or He hardened mm-hmm. their ears, or stopped up their ears so they couldn't hear it. He must have opened the ears. So I think this is another lesson to Jonah that God's giving him. Mm-hmm. No one is beyond redemption. Right. No one is re- is beyond saving. No matter what you think about them, mm-hmm. no matter what the world sees, no matter what the world classifies people as, no one is beyond that. And I mm-hmm. want you to go prove that. And Jonah says, I don't really want to. Wanders in there, mumbles a little bit, and it works. The thing That's I'm, an amazing yes, thing. Yes, it me. is. And what this tells me... Not that we should we should give our whole hearts to God and everything we do we should do as the best we can. So I'm not saying we're, we should just try to do the bare minimum all the time. But I think sometimes as believers we do something that God has called us to do and we don't get the results that we got we we had hoped for. Not that God said we'd get, but we thought we'd get, and then we. We doubt ourselves, like, oh, I didn't do it good enough, or I didn't. Mm-hmm. But this shows, no, that's not the case. If you go obediently, do what God has told you, you got to leave the results to Him. Exactly, you got to leave it to God. And Jonah went reluctantly, obviously, um, and yet I think the the uh, repentance by the people of Nineveh and the and the king of Nineveh was a miracle. Yeah, it was. And that's where miracle. it was a miracle that happened right before his eyes. He saw what was not possible po- happen. Yeah. He saw things that no one would have sat down and said, well, if you do this, this will happen. Nobody would have believed yeah. that. Okay. But God told him to go. So, so let's starting go four. four. Okay, this is so funny. Oh, he's such a pouty baby. Okay, chapter 4, verse beginning of verse 1. But a greatly... Okay, Shannon just wrote... Just start with four. Okay, you just said that God had mercy on that. Right. Okay, so... But the mercy of God, it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, God, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that thou art a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord... Please take my life for me, for death is better to me than life. Wow. He, he, so he says, okay, God, you had mercy on them, the ones I didn't want you to have mercy on, so kill me now. Life isn't worth living. Isn't this what I said when I was still at home? I knew that you would forgive them. Yeah, so I did. <laughs> I knew you were going to forgive them, and I sh- didn't want them forgiven. Just <laughs> kill me now. Okay, and then the next part. And the Lord said... Oh, and Jonah doesn't answer this. And the Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? Jonah doesn't say anything. Then Jonah went out from the city, sat east of it, 
There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant that grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort, which must have been hot. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. And it came about when the sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Again, he just he's hot and miserable, so he says, Kill me. And then God Boy, is says, he dramatic. Then God says... Yeah, go ahead, read 9 through 11. Yeah. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. What? God says, Wait a minute. I put the plant there. I took the plant away. Why are you upset about the plant? I'm so angry about it. But in verse 10 it says, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? In other words, these people have never heard my word before. They don't know what they're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. So if you're concerned about a little plant that you didn't have anything to do with, shouldn't I be concerned with 120,000 people? And animals. He mentioned animals. animals, Which I love that. Who can't? I mean, all these lives were saved. What, what's, what business is it of yours? Just like, you know, yeah. you have no right to be angry about the plant. You have no right to be angry there. Now, Jesus brings up Jonah in Matthew. Matthew mm-hmm. 12, verses 38 through 41. Do you have that? Oh, well, I can. Matthew well, 12. Hey, hey, just wait. Matthew 12, 38 through 41. In this one, Jesus tells the Pharisees about the sign of Jonah. I want to bring that up because I think this is another thing that we need to look at because if we look at these Old Testament passages Mm -hmm. and the Old Old Testament stories as something in the past, we're missing a great opportunity to learn. And the Pharisees and the scribes of Jesus' time were supposedly the scholars of the Word, had the book of Jonah, knew the stories, knew everything about it, and still ignored it in their Mm -hmm. own lives. They Mm -hmm. didn't apply the Old Testament stories to oh, their own lives. Right. And I think we can miss out the same way. So go ahead and read okay. that passage from Matthew. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign shall be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall stand up with this generation at the judgment and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Okay, so Jesus is predicting his own death and his resurrection there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sign of uh, the He talks about the, the sign of Jonah. They are asking for a sign. Mm-hmm. And they had already seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle that Jesus had done. Yeah, and they they still had them. a hardened heart. And they yeah. still said, well, show us another sign. Show us your magic tricks. And Jesus said, I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. You have been given every opportunity, and you have, you have seen all these things. Compare it to Nineveh, where the mere mention of God's will 
was enough for conversion, and right. you right. hold yourselves in such high esteem, and yet I've shown you all the miracles you could possibly want, and you still refuse. So the day will come when the people of Nineveh will be standing next to you in front of God, and they will say, why, why didn't you guys get it? We yeah. got it. Yeah, and they'd never had the teaching. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nineveh just repented after Jonah's gave, gave him God's word. Thing. That's it. Yeah. God, he gave him the word of God, and that was enough for them. And I think there's a lesson for us to learn from that, too. We are given so many blessings and so much insight, and we are given the Word of God. We are given access to the Bible. I'm looking at it on my computer. Jane's looking at it in paper in her hands. We are looking at Bibles and at um, (coughs) commentaries and biblical scholars and all these wonderful things, all this access to knowledge that we have now, more than ever before. And if we can't see God that we're going to stand there and the people in Nineveh are going to say, mm-hmm. you had all that and you didn't get it? Mm-hmm. I think I think that's something that for our generation today where we are in our society right now, this is something that would be, um, I think this would easily be a condemnation against us as well. Oh, yeah. We got so much. That's one side of it. The other side of it is as believers, as followers of God, as people of God, we are called to go out and make believers of all nations. Mm -hmm. Similar to Jonah. He was told to go to a different nation and make believers of them. Mm -hmm. Not something that was common in in Old Testament history. They were not evangelizers. But he was told to do this and some would say forced but reinforced to do this. And he did it. And then when he did it and the people that he spoke to, mm-hmm. or basically spoke against. Mm-hmm. 40 days this is going to mm-hmm. go. He gave them God's message, and when they repented, he was surly about it. Mm-hmm. As believers, if we go out and we share, and God convicts someone and they are saved, we have no right whatsoever to be surly about it, or to be questioning whether or not these people deserve God, uh-huh. or to be categorizing yeah. people into saying, well, they're labeled this, so they're lost. Mm-hmm. No one is lost to God. Mm-hmm. The Assyrian Empire was brutal. Yeah. They were known for their brutality. They were known for <coughs> killing every man, woman, and child mm-hmm. and burning things to the ground when they left. Uh, they were the first ones in um, ancient history that we have record of having catapults and battering ramps and taking down mm-hmm. walls and cities and literally leaving nothing behind. They would go through and make sure that anybody who who, re, who rebelled against them or anybody mm-hmm. who resisted them, they would no longer exist. They didn't leave wow. any anybody behind. They didn't take captives at this point in time. They would just take that place and make it into dust. Wow. And yet God wanted them to repent. Wow, God is so good. I, it's just an amazing thing to me. And so we... If we are hesitant when God says, I want you to go talk to that person, I want you to do this, well, you know, that's an alcoholic in there. You know, oh, God, it won't do any good if I go to them. It won't do any oh. good if I try to save that person. It's not, they're going to reject me if I go and talk to them anyway. If God says go, go. Mm-hmm. I always think. Hopefully, it doesn't take a whale to get you there. Well, and I think of Paul, <laughs> too, because Paul was on his way. He uh-huh. wanted to kill those Christians. He was on the road to Damascus, yep. And that's where Jesus got him. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, no one would have thought Paul was or Saul at the time was was right for the harvest. I mean, no. Can I? Um, there's a couple other things in here in this uh, message devotional Bible the commentary. There. Commentary from uh, Peterson. Okay. I want to read. Go ahead. Okay. The first one is um, sulking in the face of grace. Jonah was, and this is interesting. Jonah was quarreling with God because he'd been surprised by grace and he was shamed by grace, but he didn't surrender to grace, not the way Nineveh surrendered, and so he sulked. How he sulked is revealed by the fact that references to anger occur several times in this final chapter. Nineveh had been saved, but Jonah's reputation as a prophet had been destroyed. What he had predicted didn't come to pass, and that's why he was so angry. I didn't think about that. I never thought about that either. And then this last one, it's... uh, on the same lines of grace and judgment. Jonah's sulking came from a failure of imagination as well as a failure of heart. He knew little of the heights of God's love, the depths of his mercy, and the breadth of his salvation. His life had a certain childish quality about it, selfish and pouty. Like a child, Jonah was reluctant to obey. He had his own ideas, his own dreams, his own desires, and he didn't want anyone telling him what to do. It was commendable that he finally became obedient, doing what God had called him to do, but he was inexperienced in the ways of God and a stranger to grace. Jonah thought he'd come to Nineveh to do a religious job. God had brought Jonah to Nineveh to show him amazing grace. And so at the end of the book, we find that the tables have turned. Jonah was no longer preaching to the people of Nineveh. The people of Nineveh were preaching to Jonah. There are times when God brings someone into our lives who functions as a prophet, pointing out our sins and God's displeasure with them. Judgment seems not only inevitable, but also impending. Grieved, we humble ourselves before God and repent. That is when a great reversal takes place. When we expected judgment, we experience grace. Along with it, we experience something else, the goodness of God. And we find that all along, God wasn't out to get us, but rather to gather us in his arms. Hmm. Isn't that good? I like that. I do too. Um... Just one little passing thing I want to add yeah. that I thought was kind of interesting. Nineveh is east of Jerusalem. It's east of Israel. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the map, Iraq is east of Israel. Mm-hmm. Jonah went West. to Nineveh. He went east to Nineveh. Oh. Mm-hmm. After this happened, you think Jonah's on his way home. No. Jonah goes east of the city. Oh, that's right. He goes out the backside. He goes out the back door to pout. Instead of returning, he goes out the back. He doesn't even face Israel anymore. He just goes out the back door and then sits outside. And I thought, boy, that even that action alone is pouty. He doesn't say, God, what do you want me to do next? He doesn't say, okay, now I'm going to go home. He just goes outside the city itself and pouts. Boy, is he childish. It does oh. remind me of a child that finally does the chore you tell him to do. And like, fine, I'll do it. And they do the dumb, whatever the thing is. And then they pout about it the whole time. And yeah. then they sit somewhere. And they miss the whole point of yeah. what was going on. And it's the same thing with us. We have to be careful that as this generation, we will not, we are not only going to receive the sign of Jonah at the time when the time comes. Mm-hmm. I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that you um, took something away from this. It's always an amazing thing for us to get into the Word and to see what God says and and to hear from um, commentaries and look up the details and look at the maps and, 
it's just an amazing thing. There's such a wealth of information in the Bible, and we need to keep that in mind and, and dig into that for yourself. I encourage you to get in your Bible yourself and look at things and read through the book of Jonah. It's only four chapters long. It's a short book, That's and you can. And it's an amazing story as you go through it. And you know, this is my closing thought. If God can use a pouty baby like Jonah, he can use anybody. And he will. Yes, he will. Thanks for listening. God bless. Bye.